This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, I have a guest who needs no introduction and... A co-host who needs no introduction. With me today, because Kyle is out, is the one and only OG of the podcasting industry for insurance, Mr. Jason Kaz. Do not throw money, please. Thank you. <laughs> and our guest is the incomparable Miss Doctor, Dr. Billy Williams. That's right. How are you? How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, the reason, Billy, that I wanted to have you on is, number one, um, because we hadn't yet, and, like, I just... It's unbelievable. I've probably got, like, three people like that, where it's somebody that I just always think it's time for me to have them on, and then I'll, I'll reach out, and then we don't connect, or I forget because my ADHD takes over or whatever, so <laughs> I am very glad to know that this is happening, and what prompted it was... I just participated in your workshop just a couple of weeks ago that was like baptism by fire for an agent, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, mm -hmm. If you, right. if you want to go, it's probably the closest thing you can get to having a USB dongle in your ear that you can plug a flash drive in and download as much information as you can and then walk away able to execute or with the ability to execute is the key, right? Right. But then I got to thinking about we it. Give, we give them enough stuff. We give them enough stuff that they can kind of pick and choose what they want to execute. But whatever they execute is going to make them better. Absolutely. That's my whole deal. You know, Jason's known me for years. Um, that's my whole deal. Every time we talk, I want to leave you with something that is of value and not just fluff. And I want it to be something you can walk away and do. Not just something you can walk away and know, but something you can walk away and do. And the key there is that you can, but will you, right? And that's that's my question. I got good to question. thinking about it. I'm thinking, good wow, question. this is a ton of information. It's all good. And if people can just triage the things that are like the immediate low-hanging fruit that they can implement that'll make a quick change in their business and then maybe have just a couple of big rocks that take a little bit longer to uh, implement, they're going to be just fine. But the problem is, I think that a lot of times people walk away from stuff like that. And I call it, you know, when, when I get up and speak in public, I tell people in the meeting, you're, you're in the church camp of the business world. 
You see Jesus, you right. sit around the campfire, you hold your hands, you sing the songs, and everybody's ready to go out and change the world. And two weeks later, they're right back in the rut they were in before they ever went through it. And the heck of an analogy. And, and, and it's amazing to me. Well, is it accurate? It's accurate. It's 100% yeah, accurate. Absolutely. If you grew up going to church camp, you know, right? You're right. right. And yep, so, yep. you know, it, it's always interesting to me. You know, you, you've been putting out content and educating agents and working with agencies for far longer than I have. But in the short amount of time, the last few years that I've been doing it, it always amazes me that even if you're willing to give every ounce of the roadmap, the general lack of execution is just mind boggling to me. Well, David, it's because agents have to understand the four types of discipline. Okay. There are four types. Oh, of come discipline. on, Billy. I love this stuff. There we go. There's self-discipline, accountability, automation and technology, and outsourcing or delegation. It's only right? four. It's only four. And, right. It's only four. So here's the problem. Agents try to live in the wrong discipline. That's why they don't execute. They live in the wrong oh, discipline. So true. They, they know they don't have the self-discipline to do it, but they're too arrogant or too egotistical to let someone hold them accountable. They... They'll let someone hold them accountable, but because they're not technology savvy, they want to try to get, they want to try to learn it themselves before they put it in place. Well, dude, you've been doing this for 15 years. You ain't learned it now. You're not going to learn it. Come on, praise. Right? Mm -hmm. well, no, Billy. I want to learn how to do Facebook ads <laughs> before I actually put a Facebook ad in place. No, Billy. I want to learn how to actually do, you know, this this market research that David talks about before I hand it off to Judy to do. Mm -hmm. So they're not relying on their automation and technology and they're not delegating. Right. So the real issue with agents is you have to be honest about what your level of discipline is. If you suck at self-discipline and you suck at letting people hold you accountable, hand it to somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Cause you're going to have four S's and the first S is always stress. You're going to have stress and that stress is going to be, do I survive? Do I sell? Or do I scale? Mm. Mm. Right? And that's mm. the problem. They're already, they're already stressed, but the stress is holding them in place. Right? So there are, there are three types of, of emotions when it comes to fear, I guess. Right? There's nervous, scared, and afraid. Nervous is... I. I'm nervous to do it, but I'll keep moving. And when you're nervous, you still keep going forward. Scared, you stop. Afraid, you run. So a lot of these agents are really nervous about stuff, mm. but they keep moving forward in the wrong discipline. In the wrong discipline. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to learn it myself, Billy. Okay, you're nervous and you're moving forward, but you're moving forward in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. You should be delegating this, right? Next is scared. They're just scared. They're scared somebody's going to find out they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're scared that their staff is going to discover they're not a good leader. They're scared that they're going to discover all this stuff they pushed under the carpet. <laughs> and they're, they're afraid somebody's going to pull it back and expose it. So they stop. They don't do anything. And then some people are just afraid. They're afraid of being told no. They're afraid of failing. They're afraid of having to manage people. They're, they're just afraid. So they run from it. Mm -hmm. So when people are not implementing, my job as a mentor is to sit there and figure out why. What is it that you're running from and what is it that you're running to? 
And once I can figure that out, David, and usually, to be honest, the weaker you are, the more we have to delegate. That's just the way it works. When I can figure out what's stopping you from moving forward, then I can eliminate a lot of that and get you to move forward in the right direction, even if it's only that much. At least you're moving forward in the right direction. Maybe you only make two phone calls, but that's two more than you made. Maybe you only send five emails, but that's five more than you did. Maybe you only let Judy take over one thing, but that's one more than you let her take over before. I hope you killers are getting this out there, right? Right over on the AI network, it's the, the loyal listeners. These are the killers here, David, that ha you have that follow you. And I got to tell you that right there, Billy's new stuff. So that, that I, I've never really heard you break that down into those, uh, into the, uh, you know, nerve, they're going ahead, they're staying still or they're running. And you said, if I can it's, figure it's out. Not what new. It's not new, Jason. I just got a boatload of stuff that I can talk about. <laughs> You know, I think you I can't know, hear I, it all, man. I, I ain't heard that. I mean, I play golf with you and all kinds of stuff. I hadn't heard that. So that's good stuff. All you killers, man, rewind that. Listen to that again. Yeah, I think it's important, though, for if, if you are a producer listening to this and you're hearing what, what Dr. Williams is saying, nervous, scared, and afraid is not the same as uncomfortable. Okay. Uncomfortable is where you should be because if you're not uncomfortable, you're mm -hmm. not pushing the boundaries to get better. Like you can that. be confident and uncomfortable at the same time. I'm 100% confident yes. when I go into a new business appointment that I know what I'm talking about. But somebody can throw a question at me that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. At that point, I'm at a fork in the road. I can remain confident and move forward even though I'm a little bit uncomfortable in the situation or I could go down the road of nervous, scared, and afraid and I won't end up nice. performing. So I don't want nice. you to, to think that if you are uncomfortable, that you're automatically nervous, scared, and afraid because you're not. Everybody out That's there is going point. to be uncomfortable if they are pushing themselves to be the best version of, of themselves that they can be. Every single one of us. Right. And if there's a week that goes by that I don't put myself into an uncomfortable position, to me, that week was not a productive week for me because I didn't move That's forward. Right. That's right. I agree. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. Well said. So those three you know, things are not the same as uncomfortable. That's great. Yep. Good stuff, uh, David. Another thing is how, how they hire. Are you hiring for your are you hiring so that you can have a secretary? Because a lot of people don't hire people who are going to help them move forward. They hire people they can control. They hire people to say, I have someone who works for me. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you hiring in your own image? Are you just hiring a carbon copy of yourself? Or are you hiring people who are really going to help you drive your business? And a lot of people won't do that. So one of the things about hiring is we're we're really I guess, regimented about how we bring on staff. We always start with automation and technology. Then after automation and technology, we go to outsourcing and then we go in-house. Oh, wow. I don't That's hire in-house first because most of the time you don't have a process for in-house. So I like to go outside first, let the outside people build the process, and then I hire someone in-house to continue the process. All right. So let's, let's, if you would, David, can we talk about that on your side? Because I think you do something similar. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I mean, as you're talking, I can tell you that the things that I do that, um, when I, when I do hire for people in-house specifically is I, I 100% hire to my own deficiencies and weaknesses, period. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. We're going through traction right now. I can be the visionary for the organization. I love being the visionary for the organization. 
I do not want to be the implementer in the organization. It's not something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about production. I'm passionate about sales. I'm passionate about training and developing my team and moving the ball forward. But for me to focus on building out a process, training people on an operational process, executing that to perfection, you might as well lock me up and throw away the key. That would drive me absolutely nuts. So what did I do? Mm -hmm. I found a process-driven person that I knew I could trust, that I know will hold me accountable, that I was very open that I wanted to hold me accountable, and I hired that person to come in as the COO of my organization and the implementer of the EOS operating model. Well, that's the first step. The second step is that when you identify or you represent that to someone that you bring into that role where you're weak, you have to hold up your end of the bargain. So it's one thing to say you're not any good at something and you want somebody to hold them, hold you accountable. It's something completely different to reaffirm that by actually showing them that it's true. How many times mm -hmm. do you bring somebody in to hold you accountable and when they do, you either bite their head off and snap at them or you don't take their phone call or you don't respond to their email because you're going and burying your head because they're holding you accountable when you ask them to and you really didn't want that to happen. So you have to be you know, transparent and vulnerable with yourself, number one, about here's really where I need to be. And then number two, reaffirm that when that person's in position. But to your point about looking at the different um, aspects of your operation, I, I look at it the same way. What, what do I need to do? What can I delegate? What can I outsource? Literally every task in the agency. And as you go through that process... You have to do that. And it's a long thing to do, right? I love the fact that you use the outside people. And there's a lot of VA companies. And Jason, I'm interested in your thought process around this with mm -hmm. what you're doing with totally. VAs right now. But there are a lot of VA companies that will come in and actually build that process hand, by, yes. hand in hand with you as they're getting implemented into your organization. You have to have formality. You have to have documented, replicable processes and procedures in the way we did that was exactly what I just said. When a task hit us in 2021, and we're still going through this in 22, is this something I need to do? Is this something I can delegate? Is this something I can outsource? If it was delegate or outsource, then I immediately stop, record my screen, show exactly what it is that I'm doing, have that video transcribed, create bullet points in terms of a step-by-step -step to do it, and we upload it into our company intranet so that now anybody who comes in that needs to know that process can go watch. This is exactly how we do this process. And we now have a knowledge base in the agency that's probably close to 100 videos deep that we built over 21 of those processes that we needed to have formalized and in place. And it set us up to be able to move in the direction of now bringing in virtual assistants to be able to execute those things because I don't need somebody in-house to do a lot of this stuff that we do. The difference is your way smarter because it's less expensive and probably more accurate. My way required too much of my time, and that's the most expensive no, time in the my agency. My way is your way. It's, it's the exact same thing we do, the video and document library. But you're using VAs, and I'm using my time, right? Yeah. And my time is the most valuable well, time well, in my agency and shouldn't be spent on that. Correct. But no, but see, here's the deal. You're using your time to create a legacy that you can pass on to the next 10, 15, 20, 30 people. So I don't consider that a waste of time. I consider that an investment in time. If I can create something once 
and sell it multiple times, then I'm going to make a hell of a lot more money than I have to sell than if I have to create it every time I sell it. Correct. You see yep. what I'm saying? So create it once and sell it multiple times. Whether you're writing a book, whether you're you know doing a webinar, whether you're doing a podcast, what are we really doing? We're creating this once and we're selling it multiple times. Where you're doing that with your processes, you're creating it once so that you can pass it on multiple times. That allows you to scale. That is the very definition of scaling. Can I hand this one thing to multiple people? So, so I, I think, think what you're doing is, is what I, most agents should do. I think, yo, and I think we're, to wrap this uh, whole together, I think when you guys are talking about, first of all, I really truly think I'm one of the biggest, and I really think I pride myself on this best delegators. I mean, at the end of the day, I mm -hmm. really don't do a lot. I just, I answer, and I answer, and I help a lot, but I do do my stuff. But let's, well, let me just I, say what, this first. What? Let me say this first. I'm so proud of you because I remember six years ago when you wouldn't delegate. Correct. You. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I'm so proud of you for that. Thank you very much, doctor. Now, here's the deal. I love the fact that you both said this. You say I start with automation and technology and then we go to outsourcing. And there's a reason because listen yeah. here, killers. Listen, this is so important. We have a bunch of licensed people in our office doing tasks that do not require a license. And so you can eliminate those tasks with automation and outsourcing way less. We get we get busy and we think to ourselves like, well, are we getting, you know, to where we think that we need to grow more? And we thought, oh, well, let's get a licensed person. What I have found, you need one licensed person and you need two VEs. And if they're very good, you need three VEs. You decide you want to up your personal lines game, get another personal lines person, but then they get two to three VEs. You need that person. And if you really look at your state laws, it basically says you can't collect money. You can't bind coverage. You can't propose coverage. And there might be one or two other things there, but that's it. Everything else can be done inside of an agency. And I think that that's why the VE, I call them VEs. That's just the way my marketing is, virtual employees. I think the VEs are essential to this process when agents start thinking about it. And this is something to remember for all you right now listening, doubting this. Everything that comes in our agency comes through a licensed person. Everything that goes out of our agency goes through a licensed person. Mm -hmm. But everything in between is done by a VE. Last thing of proof with our um, with our uh, second tier AMS system because HubSpot is number one um, uh, with our, with, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Oh, okay. So that's an inside joke. But, but, uh, but um, in January, I looked at in the last hundred tasks that we had done, 81 of them had been done by a VE. Yep. 81 of them had been done by a VE. And, and believe me, my office is no different than yours who are listening here. I guarantee you 50, 60% of your business. And here we go. It is, go Jason. It is because you're willing to do that. That's why your office is different. Yeah. Yeah. You have oh, people so, listening yeah. to this. And the reason why a lot of these guys won't. Yeah, you have, you have people who are listening to this right now that have a mental block and aren't willing to turn that over. They don't and understand. They're not. They're, not, they're not at a level in running their business that they're even looking at their financial statements to learn how to fine tune. They're still sliding the business debit card when they run through McDonald's drive-through at lunch. They got to get their, they got to get their head that. into the financial end of their business and look at ways that they can maximize this. One of the reasons why I'm so hardcore about this and know that we're pushing this in this direction over the course of this next year is because of the industry I came from. When you run a grocery store, you're begging somebody to spend $100 so you can make one. Your number one controllable mm -hmm. expense is payroll. If you can figure out how to control mm -hmm. payroll, you're going to run a very profitable location, right? So in an industry mm -hmm. 
I was able to figure that out. I was able to understand productivity, sales per man hour, all of the things that were going to predict a very good payroll percentage in my operation. So instead of me running a 1% store, I was putting 8.5% on the bottom line. It was the number one profit store in the entire company. Was I a genius for doing that? No, I cared. I understood the financial statements and I understood where the fat was. And I understood that I needed to do things a different way in order to get results that are uncommon. And we figured that out. It's no different in the insurance industry, but you have to be willing to go down that road and even start. It's not like you can just do this overnight. It's a long process to a certain degree unless you have have it figured out to where you can get the formalization of the processes done in tandem with the onboarding of the VEs period okay well so said, let me dude. well said yeah now let me let me make this for those guys out there that are like me they're like wow that was really great where the hell do i start so right so let me give you an actual process okay. you guys that are listening let me give you a process you can start today to do this we're going to start with your renewal process which is the biggest wealth part of your book is your renewal so step one, first thing you have to do is figure out who the hell's renewing, right? Who's coming up for renewal? That can be done by VA. So you can give your VA access to your renewal audit that's coming up. Step two, you have to figure out what do I need to talk to these people that are renewing? What do I need to talk about? Your VA can do that. If you put out agency standards that says, I want every customer to have at a minimum this coverage, whether that's auto, home, commercial, doesn't matter. Here are our agency standards, right? The VA looks at those agency standards and does a synopsis that says, I'm looking at this customer. They don't match the agency standards that you gave me in these areas. Mm -hmm. So the VA writes it up for you. Right. This is what's missing. This is what we need to do. This is whatever. Now, the VA takes that information, creates an activity inside of your agency management system, attaches that synopsis to that activity and assigns that activity to your licensed person. Now, the licensed person goes in, looks at the activity. VA has already done all the prelim, right? They've done the majority of the work. Now your licensed person can say, oh, what else is needed? What certs are needed? You know, if this is commercial, what certs are needed? What docs do we need? What accord forms need to be attached? But all that other stuff was done by the VA. So Mm -hmm. now your licensed person gets that information and they write a synopsis that says, VA, I need you to go in and create this cert. I need you to go in and request this doc from the carrier. I need you to go in and do this particular thing. So now the licensed person reassigns that activity back to the VA. The VA goes in, does all the things that they can do that's not customer facing, right? Because the VA can talk to the carrier. The Mm -hmm. VA can't talk to the customer. That's exactly right, Billy. Yes. Right. So so the VA talks to the carrier, gets all the stuff that they need, keeps that that same activity, because you're working from one activity, keeps that same activity open and now does their job and reassigns it back to the licensed sales producer. Now the licensed sales producer has everything they need to be customer facing. Now they contact the customer and they have the conversation and they resell the policy. Guys, if you, because I, I want to give you a real process, not theory, not, that's a real process that can happen starting today. That's right. Totally can. 
And all you got to do is grab a loom video and record that process. As David said, you know, give it to your team and say, this is how we need to do it. Matter of fact, you don't even have to record a loom video. Just go find this YouTube. If you're listening to this as a podcast and go cut out that part that Billy just did and say, guys, this is what we're going to do. I mean, it's that simple. Good job, Billy. And if you're a member, go into the video library. You know, we had all this stuff written up for you. So yes, he does. Yes, he does. How, how much is loom, Jason? How cost prohibitive is loom to, to use? It's free. I think it's, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free, people. I think, the base I think, version we, is I think free. we upgraded. Five minutes. You can record up to five minutes for free. Yeah, I think we upgraded. I think it's like 30 bucks and we have like 10 licenses. It's 30 bucks a month. Yeah, I think so, I, I mean, paid you know pay $9.99. It's awesome. $9.99. And then there's Snagit. Like, mm -hmm. I use Snagit. Yep, I, I use Loom use when I want to send something that someone's going to watch and I need to record and I need to track to see if they watched it and all that. But for all of our actual videos, our training videos, we have thousands of them. We use Snagit. Yeah. Right? So, I used to use them. And that yeah. costs 49 bucks. By TechSmith. That's who, uh, who, who yeah. owns Here's that. The thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. I bring that up for an important reason. People hear stuff like that and they're, oh, that's expensive. Or, man, I'm going to spend money on that. People... This is not an expense. This is an investment. Think about the amount of time you're going to save and the profit you will add to your bottom line. You know, it's just Correct. like when people talk to me, I'm very open about the fact that the number one way I like to prospect is with the experience modification factor. I know that mm -hmm. I have to spend $6 to buy the mod. It's not the mod worksheet. It's not all of the information. It's just the number. But if I have that number and that's the right number, I know that I can get an appointment when I make the call based on the script yes. that we have used for a number of years. I also know that if I only have accounts that are twenty-five dollars to $50,000 in revenue, and listen, I'm in Florida. It's inflated. Use your own numbers. The math is still going to work. It's just still not going to be same. as big yep. of an end number. But twenty-five to fifty grand in revenue. We have a budget of a thousand dollars a month. What is a budget? It's intentionally telling your money what you want it to do. We don't just take a wild ass guess and go out and buy a bunch of mods. Yeah, we know <laughs> what it is that we're gonna buy. Accounts that are twenty-five to fifty grand in revenue, and I know that if I buy a hundred mods at six dollars a piece, I'm gonna spend six hundred dollars. Forty or more of those mods will be 1.0 or higher, which automatically puts them into my ideal prospect. So for $600, I just bought at a bare minimum a $1 million revenue opportunity. If I were to close every single one of them, which I'm not, it would be at least a million in revenue because if you take do the math, 40 times 25,000 is a million. If you only have 10,000 in revenue, okay, fine. It's going to be 400000 but you still only paid $600 to get the mods mm -hmm. to know that. Now, here's the next piece of that. And this is something that I don't always talk about because it's so easy just to talk about the ones that are one or higher. But what about that subset that's just below that? What about the people that are in the 0.9 to 1.0 range or the 0.85 to 1.0 range? Well, here's what I know. If you're 25 to 50 grand in revenue and you're at a 0.85 to 1, you're still not doing your best. You're doing okay, but you're operating at a B. Maybe a B minus, depending mm -hmm. on where you're at. We can still have the mm -hmm. conversation with those people because they have never been told what the minimum mod is. They don't know that they could really have a mod of a 0.55 or a 0.65. That's still 20-some points that could be sitting on the table in what many cases is a half a million dollars in premium. So for $100,000 a year, you're not taking phone calls from people who want you to be better more than you want to be better yourself? It's insane. Right. So one it of the is. reasons why we, we do that is because we're very, very intentional. We have the data. We 
we started doing it, we measured it, we knew what we were having success with, and then we just simply replicated that and we do it over and over and over again. You could do the same thing if you led with cyber. What if you decided you were mm -hmm. gonna go to a company like ProRiders, my good friend, Brian Thornton, and you were gonna use their tool to prospect. And you took a spreadsheet of 50 different companies that you wanted to call on over the course of the next month, and you had the five things that you needed to have in order for them to provide you pricing indications and a vulnerability assessment. What if you sent that to them and then all of a sudden in your email, you got 50 attachments that were pricing indications, coverage comparisons, vulnerability assessment on that, on that account. It cost you absolutely nothing to get that information. Now you can pick up the phone. You can use it in an email campaign. You can go knock on doors and cold call, but you have something of value to that prospect that they more than likely don't know. The number of times that we call on somebody leading with cyber liability that they say, oh, we've got that handled or we have an IT guy or we hire we outsource all of that is mind-numbing but yet their vulnerability assessment says they're at a 50% their operational index is not good they're at an F if you can start that conversation and you go in and you show them that you have a solution to the problem and that that solution isn't overly expensive for them to fix you're gonna have that conversation literally every time but how many agents are willing to put in the effort to mm -hmm. do that? What I just told you costs us nothing but a little bit of effort and the desire to succeed. And the margins are huge. Yeah. But David, that goes back to, you know, I, you know, I'm an acronym guy. I'm a military guy. That goes back to the S4TS. Remember, Jason, when you came down and played golf with me for your birthday? Yeah. We talked about S4TS. First S is standards. I already talked about it. If you have standards, it's easy to pass things on to your VA, all that, because they know what to look for. Then the first T is time. See, what you just did, David, was you invested in time. Most people won't do that. Most people think they save time by just throwing a bunch of crap against the wall, calling as many people as they can and go, hey, I sell insurance. Can I give you a quote? I sell insurance. Can I give you a quote? I sell no. You actually took the time to find out who you should talk to, right. the time to find out what their problems were, the time to personalize the conversation and individualize the conversation. Mm -hmm. See, most people won't take the time to individualize the conversation. If you call me out of the blue and you say, hi, is, is this Billy Williams who drives the you know 20 whatever Land Rover and you live at 4808 Winterview and you got three kids? Well, who the hell is this? <laughs> I'm not saying, no, I already got that. Get off my phone. You know, get get out of here. No, I don't know who you are. I'm, I'm hanging up. Because you got too much information about me for me just to let you go. True. Agreed. Does that make no, sense? No, listen. When you call David, you're calling with personalized information that says, hey, um, Mr. Jenkins, Mr. Whatever, or whoever I'm, I'm dealing with here, I'm, I'm calling you because in doing my research, I noticed that your mod, your experience mod is a 1.2. I noticed that you have 250 employees and I noticed that you, you're listed, your, you know, your, your, your code is listed as this. I see some issues that you might have and I love time, take time to talk to you. Dude, I'm, I'm not hanging up this phone simply because I want to know how the hell you got all this information about me. Yeah. Here's, here's where this was. That's what ages. Here's where been. this was born right. from. Right. So I don't beat the streets nearly like I used to. I just don't, I, it's not effective for me to do that anymore. I can work better through six producers than I can as one by myself while the rest of them flounder because they're not getting my time. I'm just in a different mm -hmm. season in my career at this point and my role has, has dramatically changed. Remind me to talk about levels of leadership before we get off the phone. Go ahead. So, 
Sorry. Back in the old old days, and I actually I actually talk about this in pretty good detail in my book. But it comes from when I do the cold call marketing drops that I teach the people in Killing Commercial they should be doing. I found that if I took an extra hour, that's really all it took, across 10 to 15 marketing drops, and instead of me just taking a marketing template that was the boilerplate marketing template that we would take to everybody else, and the canned letter that, to, that everybody else would get, and I took the time to know, who, number one, how am I planning my day? Oh, I'm calling residential service, calling on residential service contractors today. Great. I happen to represent the three who have the most market share in the Tampa Bay area. Let me get a quote from each of them about what we do, and I want to put that in the body of the letter. But more importantly, I'm going to personalize it to the person I want to get in, get in front of, their name. I'm going to reference their company name. I'm going to include quotes from people that I know they respect that are the, the leaders of the industry. And when you go over to the marketing template, instead of saying your company, every single time that would be in there, I would just do a quick find and replace in Word, change, change it to the company name so that when this person gets my marketing packet, it's like we're already doing business with each other. It's 100% to them. And what I found was I went from a success rate of getting two and on a really good day, three appointments out of 10 or 15 drops to where I was getting seven or eight. If you run all of the numbers in that and work backwards, you will see that, yeah, my phone's ringing. Isn't that great? It happens. Podcast, it's genuine. Yeah. But if you look at that, you'll see that the amount of revenue that I picked up by taking the extra hour, right, was so significant that it was more than my hourly rate that I would make if I just maintained the status quo. So why wouldn't I spend an hour at a higher return than just continuing to throw it against the wall to see what sticks? And that's what blows my mind. We are still in an industry where people are reverse engineering this to, to a percentage of 100 phone calls. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't need to know the metrics, right? But if you're mm -hmm. not trying to figure out how to work smarter, you know, you might know that if you call 100 people, 50 will answer, 25 will agree to meet with you, 10 will let you present, and two will become your client. So you need to make 100 phone calls to get two clients. I get that. You need to know that number, right? But if you're not doing something to make that yield better than two, what are you really doing? You're just in a washing machine. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and just... No, well, I do. Billy, don't forget your 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 STTS because you S four T S. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You were standards, on the standard okay. time, and then the other one. Okay, standards, time, task, tools, training, and spot checking. Okay, so we already talked about standards. You just talked about investing the time to prepare. Now, what are they investing that time in? You already know what task are going to generate the highest revenue for you. That task is finding the information that you can individualize and personalize that conversation, right? Not generalize, but individualize and personalize that conversation. Next are tools. You brought up tools. We had a, you say you had a template, you had a letter, you had a script, you had, all those are tools, right? That you knew I need to individualize and personalize those tools. Standards, task, tools, excuse me, standards, time, task, tools, training. So now you knew how to do it, but what you did, you started recording videos, you started training your people, you started 
putting your bullet points so that now you could train your legacy people on what they need to do. I like and that. more importantly, David, you spot check them. You don't just throw some stuff out there and hope that it works. We follow up two months later and go, hey, did that ever, did you ever call that guy back? No, you're actually spot checking on what you do. That's S4TS, standards, time, task, tools, training, spot checking. If I can just get agents to follow that methodology, they're going to get 30% more done than what they did. I want to talk about two things real quick. One was about, I keep mentioning this, about individualizing and personalizing. Okay, individualizing and personalizing. Those are not the same thing. Individualizing means that I'm finding basic information about you. Personalizing means that I'm getting specific information about you. Most agents don't know who to be micro famous for. Okay, you guys call it niches. You call it whatever. I call it micro famous. Who are you micro famous for? I don't need to be famous for everybody. If I sell, I don't know, whatever shoes, I need to be micro famous within that community. I like right? it. I need to know who my shoe salespeople are in the grocery store community. I need to be micro famous within that community. Micro famous means what? What makes me famous? Means I'm known. Mean people understand my talent, my skills, what I do, what I bring to the table. Right? Again, you can call it a niche. You can call it whatever you want. A lot of agents are so busy trying to be famous that they're not making any money because they're not micro famous. You need to own your own community first. You need to own your own church first. You need to own your own sector of business first before you worry about putting out a damn YouTube video that appeals to everybody and their mama. That's right. Wow. Okay? And you know how I can tell how micro famous you are? By asking who your referral partners are. If you are in business and you don't have five, six, seven, eight, nine people that know how good you are and that refer business to you, then you're not micro famous. Mm. Okay. You're not. And you can call it, oh no, I've got this niche. Okay. Who in your niche knows how good you are? Who in your niche is referring business to you? Because here's one thing I'll tell you. You know you're good when other professionals refer business to you. If other professionals are not referring business to you, you are the advertising agency. That's all you are. You're an ad agency. You are not an expert because experts don't sit up and and have to advertise every single day. Experts have other people sending them business. If I were a brain surgeon, I don't sit up and you don't see a brain surgeon ad on a billboard some damn where. Because every general practitioner in town is sending people to me. So you need to look at your own business. If you're not getting referrals from your key referral partners, then you're not micro famous. Micro famous. Which means you haven't given anything to anybody. Okay. Now, next thing I'll talk about at five levels of leadership. You brought up something very important. Real quick, Billy, before we, before we leave that thought process, my turn. Okay. I'm going to give you guys an action step on how to move toward becoming micro famous. If you want to build your network and you want to build your channel partnership so that you can understand what Billy's talking about here, the number one way that I've been able to do this over the course of my career is I talk to my clients. I find out who my clients are doing business with as professionals. And then I ask them if we would be compatible. Where are you getting your payroll? 
Where are you getting your IT services? Where are you getting your office equipment? These are business-to-business salespeople that are obviously calling on middle market accounts because they're in my client. And if I can get my Mm -hmm. client to make an introduction to somebody that they feel I would have synergy with, I have a new best friend. And it's not only for me to be able to get referrals, it's also the number one way that I recruit new producers. I want business-to-business salespeople that have a proven track record. If I can get a really good payroll salesperson, I don't care where they're from. If they're from ADP, that's the absolute best. Why? They're the biggest. They have the most money to train people, which means I don't have to spend as much of my budget in training them on sales. I can spend all of my budget training them on insurance sales, which is exactly what I should be doing. And so that is how I've built my entire network. And what you find out is, is you go down that road, you're learning these people over a period of months in the whole time I'm interviewing them. I'm deciding whether or not they're going to be my next producer. And they're giving me business and I'm giving them business at the same time. So it's a symbiotic relationship in its entire existence. But how you know it sticks is when they go back to their office and talk. When they go back to their office and say, hey, look, I know you're probably dealing with a workers comp guy, but holy crap, did I find the guy you should be talking to. And then they start Mm -hmm. referring me to their friends. And now I have multiple payroll people that are sending me business in. The reason I don't go out on the streets and call anymore and do the door-to-door knocking is A, because I have a team that will do that, that needs to be doing that, that's more effective at it, and I can do better managing six than trying to duplicate the same efforts as one, right? (laughs) Excuse me. But the other thing is, I've probably got 100 people referring me business every week. I've got a never... David just coughed and he has COVID? (laughs) (laughs) I have a never-ending supply of leads. (laughs) <laughs> never ending supply of leads coming in because I've taken the time. Did I do that in a week? No, I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. But over 20 years, I've built a network that has withstood the test of time and I never stop adding to it. David, you said something earlier that I want to tie that thought in. You said budget. Tell us again what your definition of a budget Intentionally is. telling your money what you want it to do. Well, see, people need to have a budget for their time, too. Intentionally telling your time mm. what you need what you need it to do or intentionally blocking off the time to do very specific things. Most people won't budget their time. It's true. You know, they I think won't. we're all weak at that. I'm actually, so, I've gotten better as I've gotten older. And it's because I force mm-hmm. myself. There are certain th- where I where I'm weak is I'll block a, an hour and a half for high, highly critical tasks in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll, instead of me shutting my phone off and keeping Facebook closed and everything else, I'm really good about blocking it and I've got the time dedicated and nobody can book time with me. But if I allow myself to get distracted, even though I've blocked it off, it's still worthless because I'm doing other things and I just block time off for me to be unproductive. So the second piece of that is remaining disciplined to the fact that you that you blocked it off, right? So for me, you know, one of the things, and I used to teach, I used to teach, um, long story for a different day, but anyhow, I used to teach household budgeting. And there's two components mm-hmm. to that. The first one is you have to, you have to project what your expenses are going to be. You need to know what the electric bill is going to be. You know what your house payment is. You know what your car payment is, whatever else. The second thing is you have to allocate whatever amount of money from each of your paychecks is necessary for you to cover each one of those bills by the deadline. 
So what I'm doing when I block time, but not taking and allocating the, the, the time inside that block to specific tasks mm -hmm. is basically just writing a budget, but not allocating the funds from the paycheck. Right. That makes sense. That right. makes sense. See, and I'm just, I grew up differently because I grew up military and all that stuff. I remember seeing my parents, they would take whatever the monthly bills were and they had different envelopes. All right. And they would actually put in. I the, do it. This is for. I still do it rent, today, Billy. This is for, I still do that this, today. This is for that. And you didn't, you didn't take those different envelopes. You didn't touch them. You didn't, you know, yeah. I remember the life insurance guy used to come by our neighborhood like once a month to pick up the life insurance. You damn right he right? did. Shows you how old I am, right? <laughs> he would come by to pick up the life insurance payment. And he would knock on the door and I would go to our little cabinet where all the different things were. And I knew to grab the life insurance envelope and give him the life insurance envelope. I'm like four or five years old, right? But I knew that that's how things operate. Now, I'm just the opposite. And Jason knows this about me. My time is the most valuable resource I have. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is what I don't let anybody mess with my time. I don't care if it's my kids, my whatever. If I have it blocked off, the only thing that will change it is an emergency. Okay, and I mean a real emergency. I don't mean just like, oh my God, Billy, I'm I really need to talk to you because I'm feeling stressed right now. That's not a damn emergency. Okay, that's not my issue. You need to come back to me on my non-revenue producing time. So. That's one of the things that agents are not doing is first and foremost, they're not they're not even identifying the tasks that make the most money. If you ask an agent, what are the top three things that make money in your agency? Most of them can't tell you. Hell, most of them can't even tell you the five things that drive revenue in an agency. New policies, increasing coverage on existing policies, increasing policies per customer, increasing retention and charging fees. Those are the only five ways we make money in the insurance industry. Okay, mm -hmm. that's it. But most agents can't tell you the five ways that you even make money. Right. So if you can't tell me what your high revenue producing task is, you can't tell me the five ways that you make money, then you can't tell me that you're blocking off time to do high revenue producing tasks that make you money because you don't even know what they are. <laughs> that's right. So you taught me, Billy, that like you only like today's Thursday. That's the reason why you're on this podcast. You do your podcasts, your videos, your interviews on Thursdays. So I took that um, when I kept trying to get you like on a Tuesday and, and you were like, no, Jason, this is my time. So I did the same thing. And on my podcast, I am booked out like two and a half months. And it's because I have a calendar link. I only do podcasts at eight in the morning on Thursdays or Tuesdays. And I do them on 12 o'clock on Tuesdays if that time is needed, because some people are on the West Coast and they can't do eight o'clock in the morning my time. Right. And, and, and all I do is send a link. I show up at the time done. You know what I mean? And so it's that simple type of thing. Um, but also what I've done is I've used technology to delegate that off. You know, it was one of the things that I did, Billy, when I was did 75 hard, you know, this 75 hard thing that people are doing for 75 days, you do right. two workouts a day and all that. Well, one of the things that that taught me was a lot of, of, of discipline when it came to my time, because you had to. And what I realized is, is when at the very beginning of 75 hard, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to do the four disciplines, right? The four disciplines are I'm going to be able to have to hold myself accountable, have somebody help me hold accountable. But one of the main ones also was the automation and technology. I mean, I bought the Apple Watch, right? I mean, I had whoa, 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 all whoa, the Hold on, hold on, time out. You bought a what? 
I'm An sorry. Apple I, Watch. Did I just say that? You sure did. Holy you shit. Did. We have it on. Bought, we have it recorded. By the no. way, we do. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I really appreciate I a, that. I bought a Samsung. What the hell did I say? Apple Watch. We <laughs> I bought a Samsung. Anyways, uh, yeah. Good call though. I didn't even catch that, David. So, so I bought that. I bought all the apps to p tell me all my food and all my calories because I knew I would not be disciplined. I needed the app that as soon as I started walking 20 consecutive seconds, it automatically turned on for me because I would right. forget to to press the button. And then when I thought. To myself, I said, how am I going to do four? How am I going to outsource? Right. And here's what happened. You have to pick a diet. And so one of the diets that I had was the man diet, you know, had all these nachos and all this stuff that you could eat as long as you ate within that. And I thought to myself, I got to make that every night. And my wife who got the, from Annie, uh, David's wife, they talk about this dash diet. She said, well, I'm going to do the dash diet. And I thought to myself, outsourcing, right? This is something I don't want to do. And I know I'm going <laughs> to fail if I do it. But if I give it to her, she'll make sure that the meals are always dash diet, right? Exactly. So I went through 75 hard using those four things of discipline, which uh, I think if, if agents will start looking at their agency that way, that's the first thing, as you said, is going to free you up for, as you say, Billy, that green time, the time when we're making that cash. Look, man, this stuff applies to literally anything in your life you could take the same thing and translate yeah. it into being a good parent right that's right very good point david yes yes yeah, so, yeah even with automation and technology i realized i have a 17 year old at home right now and my other kids are very cuddly very you know always want to be up under you my 17 year old is a little more distant a little more standoffish she's more of an athlete really into herself and what she's doing i text her all the time She'll be in her room and I'll text, hey, baby girl, what are you doing? You know, just want you to know daddy loves you because I've had to use automation and technology to keep that relationship mm -hmm. afloat the way that I wanted it to. Because me just busting in her room ain't going to work. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, OK, so let me talk about the five levels of leadership. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. So level one is I want to be great. Right. I want to be the best. Level two is I need help in order for me to be the best. That's when we go out and hire an assistant. We hire one other person. Level three is I need to hire other people that can do what I do. So now we go get our first producer or we go get our first account manager who takes a lot of the things that we are currently doing and they start doing them. Level four is I need to hire a team of people that can do what I do. Now we start bringing in more producers. That's when we start videoing. That's when we start uh, handing down our workflows and checklists and because we have a team of people to train. Level five is when I don't want to do this anymore, I want to invest in the people that are doing it and I want to go do what the hell I want to do. Right? Mm -hmm. David, you said something very key. That's what made me think about this. Right now, David, you're at level I would say somewhere like level 3.8, <laughs> level level 4.2, somewhere in there, where you're at that level where you say, I want to bring in a team of people that do what I do, right? And I'm going to train them and I'm going to make sure they're good to go, but I'm still doing some of that. I'm still selling. I'm still doing some. I'm just not doing as much. Or maybe you move back to where you're only dealing with the 100,000 revenue. That, that's exactly where I'm at. The 20,000. Yep. Exactly. 100%. Right. So that's level 4.2, 4.3. At some point, you're going to get to Billy level, which is level five. <laughs> level five is I ain't doing shit. Okay. Let's get that straight. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to invest in the agencies. I'm going to 
make sure that they are trained. I'm going to do all those different things, and I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to go win championships, baby. That's that's what I do. I'm taking my time to win that's what I do. championships. You see what I'm saying? What I want to do all day is win championships. You see? And I can keep going on and on. So, But in order for me to win those championships, and this is the DFW Open, by the way, Jason. Notice it just happened February 21st, 2022. That was this weekend. Wow. I won the DFW Open, Dallas-Fort Worth Open. Okay. But... Uh. Been but playing, in order for me to be playing as long as COVID's been here, COVID's actually right. been I'm, here I'm, longer than you've been playing. Almost two years. I'll, I'll be right. two years, March 27th. I'll 27th. be two years, yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, but anyway, my thing is, guys, in order for me to get to that point, in order to get to level five, I had to be an expert at level one, two, three, and four, right? I had to be good. I had to train people to be good. I had to make sure I'm training a team of people to be good. I had to use the four disciplines, self-discipline, accountability, automation, technology, and outsourcing. I had to get there, right? And then I had to make the decision that says, okay, Billy, you've matured out of this role. It's time for you to step up to that next level. So now I'm at the point, and I've been this, I don't know, four or five years now, where all I want to do is invest. That's it. I want to invest in the team, invest in the people, invest in the agencies. I'll help train them if I need to. I'll put that time into it. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure that they are going through their levels of leadership so Uh I can go do what I want to do. And Jason got to this point. It's another reason made me bring this up. Jason and I met, what, seven years ago, eight years ago? I don't know how long ago. Uh And Jason was still in that everyday agency worker kind of mode. And we were sitting, I think we were in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know where the hell we were. We were somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jason, if you want to grow your agency, you got to get the hell out of the way. You Mm got to step aside and stop being the number one guy. You got to train the new number one guy and train the the new team and train the whatever. And this is what I love about Jason. Jason took that and it stuck in his craw and within a year, he was already moving himself out of that role. And Jason, I'll let you tell your story. What happened when you started to level up and move yourself out as the number one person? Well, the truth of the matter is, Billy, just like everybody you talk to, we all know we need to do it. But it sometimes mm-hmm. takes that click in the, I think you said crawl. That was that was something that we don't up talk in about. Up crawl, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's term, a Texas thing. term. Yeah. So anyways, but up my crawl. um, And then what ended up happening was, is I was able to not only delegate it to somebody else, but that extra revenue now that we've been able to have, we've gotten two new producers that we can now afford to produce. Um, But yes, sales did go up. It was amazing. I did not completely walk out, but instead of doing, you know, a million in premium or a million and a half, I think I did 150,000 that year because it was just things that needed to be done. But yeah, it is, it is the point in time and it's, it's, uh, it's working on your business for in your business, but no one ever tells you what the difference is. You know, people like to say that and dissecting that happens to be that my job is to give the tools, technology, training, uh, uh, everything that my staff needs. My staff is is there to take care of the client. Stop, stop. And my client has a job, which is to pay the bills. Yeah. You just rattled off a Billyism, tools, technology, training that had to have come from him. Three T's in absolute (laughs) perfection, man. Absolute perfection. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jason and I have been together a while, man. <laughs> a long time. And, and I do. I just soak myself into it. And to give credit where credit's due, it's the same thing, David, we did in 2019. I mean, you started teaching me, and it was like something that was like, this is what I'm talking about. These are margins, right? Yours is 25. Mine's 10,000. Is that That's our no, minimum I mean, premium. Look, it's the same thing I tell, yeah, it's the same thing I tell everybody else. There's a mm-hmm. conversion factor, right? 25 grand in revenue in Florida is 10 grand in Evansville, Indiana all day long. True but that. the process works because a $50 million manufacturer is a $50 million manufacturer, regardless of where you put them. They're going to have the same operational issues and everything else. And the Mm -hmm. problem is, as agents, we focus on the insurance. We don't focus on the problems that we can solve for these people. So we get caught up in the fact that, oh, I don't make as much premium. Well, just go write more. Solve the problems and you're not going to have a problem writing the same amount of revenue that I'm writing here. But guess what? I know this. I know that the cost of living in Evansville is a hell of a lot less than it is in Tampa, Florida. So everything tends to Mm -hmm. scale, right? But but to your but to your point, man, I mean, that's it. You have to just define what is your lane going to be and then stay there. We, we go through right. the process, we identify all of this stuff, but then we forget to put the blinders on. We get distracted. We look left, we look right, and we mm-hmm. see that low-hanging fruit. Oh, it's only one $200 premium account. I'll That's go help this. She's such a nice lady. She just opened this business. Let me go write this little bop or this or that. Meanwhile, you're throwing your margin to the wind, right? When mm-hmm. we get small business stuff, I turn it over to the small business unit now. I had to take time and specifically build a small business unit that could profitably write small business. I used to have to say, I really apologize. I'm going to refer you to another agency down the street that's more equipped for this because we're only set up to cater to a certain clientele. I would have been perfectly fine staying on that road. My issue is, is I've been very vocal about we had a problem. Our average revenue per account was too high. Venture capital started gobbling up service contractors, and I lost a quarter million dollars in revenue in the blink of an eye. We've had to backfill with small with a small business unit and personal lines because I've built my agency backwards. I walked into the industry, started in middle market, and never knew anything else. All of the people who come into Killing Commercial have main street agencies that have a great base of personal lines and a great base of small business, and now they want to move upstream. I had a pretty unique problem, and I had to slow down, A, identify the problem, B, decide how I wanted to handle it, and then C, execute on that solution. Now we have a pretty robust small business unit. We were able to craft advertising around that, content around that, and so we have a steady stream of that coming in. It was a mental block for me because I'm so used to having such a high close rate in the middle market because that's the process that I have dialed in that I'm not used to the fact that you're probably not going to write 50% of what you work with on the transactional business over the phone. But if I'm growing by 30% a year and only losing 10 or 15, I'm still net positive and I'm building that base that eventually is going to allow me to figure out how I can then take some of the things that Billy talks about in terms of looking at our retention, rounding accounts, and all of the other things in that vernacular and increase profitability that way. Guys, and when we talk about building a small business unit, okay, because everyone's like, oh my God, he's built... Hire a damn VA. That's your first small business yeah, unit. Yeah, truthfully. Hire a VA to go in and do some apps and put some quotes in the system and look at your customers and say, oh, this guy's a business owner. Let's try to cross-sell him. That's your first small business unit is that part-time VA just helping you to look for data and find so the true. right people. So 100%. True. And that's ex- so- We didn't use a VA. We used a body, but- 100% the same thing. Small business unit sounds sexier than I have a part-time person making 20 bucks an hour doing this, right? 
<laughs> it's all about the marketing. You're right about that, bro. It's how you package it. Well, listen, I, I want to be respectful of time, it. and I know Billy has his dialed in. Yeah. I want to thank Billy for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure to hear what you have to say. You take it to a completely different mm -hmm. level. And as mm -hmm. we wrap up, Jason, I want you to talk just for a really quick second about what you're doing in the VE space and how people can reach out to you if they're interested in going down this road because I know this is a new venture for you. And honestly, mm -hmm. man, people will ask me on Facebook or whatever else for recommendations or who are other VA services other than the two everybody hears about. And I honestly forget that you're doing it even even though we're we're good friends, so help me I out, understand. man. I need you to I need you to get this out, Jason. Before you say that, let me just say this one last thing about Jason. Once Jason started to remove himself from the everyday operation of his business like that, Jason started to get into other things. He started mm -hmm. to help his church more. He started mm -hmm. to help Cuba more. He started to bring on other podcasters. He started to do the VA. The reason why you're able to do all of these other legs is because you're not trapped mm -hmm. in your business the way that very you true. used to be. Yep, that's Does that very make true. sense? It's totally right. I want right. to understand. Your business should either be your passion or fund your passion. And Jason is at a point in his life where his business is now funding his passions as opposed to just being his only passion. Sorry, yeah. Jason. That's no, one, no, no, no. Thank you very much. No, no, no. I get that all the time. I think that if people also don't realize that I really do go to bed er, latest at eight and I wake up at five, I sleep a lot. I, people are like, when do you have a chance to sleep? Dude, you got to delegate and you'll have more chance to sleep. So virtual Intel with two L's on the Intel, virtual Intel, um, dot com is where you can go to. We are virtual intelligence. I thank you very much, David, for giving me the opportunity. Um, Travis and I kind of do this behind the scenes. We're not out here marketing it because because we make a lot of money from our agency. We had experience with a bunch of VE carry or VAs, but the same thing for me um, over the last six, seven, eight years. And, and I'm not here to share those experiences, but I'm just telling you that we knew that it could be done better. And that's the entrepreneur in Travis and I. And so we put together our own little team, got licensed, uh, created a corporation in the Philippines. And now we have eight agencies right now. Uh, we started in November. And what we do is, is we believe in three things. High quality people. They have to have a four-year degree. They have to have at least two years working with American clientele, JP Morgan Chase, whatever. Uh, that requires us to be able to, uh, that we have to pay more because of that. We have good training. We train them for 30 days. Not this baloney training that everybody else says. Coverdesk has some good training. But besides that, we can do train for 30 days and then we shadow for 30 days. That's that's something we don't do. So we place a person with that person in your office for 30 days, um, our director of learning. And then the other thing is security. We have the best security out there. We spend a couple hundred dollars per um, computer. And, and David, you and I years ago talked about, and I thought it was too expensive what you were doing. No, you're providing great security and that shit costs a lot of money. And so now we have an Amazon workstation that they're encapsulated in. So we believe in high trained, high quality, and we believe in security um, in it. And we're not there for the cheapest. For the cheapest, You will not find us to be the cheapest out there. We provide health insurance. We pay taxes on them. A lot of uh, places out there, and I'm not here to down them. I just, I think it's important to understand this when we're really trying to affect people's lives like we say we are in the Philippines we have to realize that paying them as freelancers is like paying them under the table and the and the VA likes it because it, they make more money but what we're doing is is we're shorting them because in 20 30 years when they go to collect their resources like social security disability that they have in their country they're not going to have any of it 
So why not pay a little bit extra, pay the taxes and give those people the life they really truly need. And I think that's where we stand above and that's why we're not the least expensive, but we don't care. We're looking for high quality people. So that's who we are. Thank you, David, very much for that. Virtualintel.com. So I'm going to close this out and I want you to do something, Mr. Cass, when you listen to this episode when it airs here in a week or two, I want you to listen yeah. to that montage that you just shared with us. And I want you to be proud of yourself because what people yeah. that are listening to this don't know is they don't know Jason's backstory. Like I know Jason's backstory, like Billy knows Jason's backstory and to know what you came from to hearing a guy talking about creating a flipping corporation in the Philippines to drive change <laughs> in a completely different country is mind-numbing man and it's a testament to the fact that you're constantly willing to make yourself better whether it's listening to what billy says and implementing and immersing yourself in that whether it's doing the killing commercial stuff whether it's being entrepreneurial and going out and making an effort to change the va industry you have a lot to be proud of brother and people need to know that thank you very much dude and coming from you too thank you very much i appreciate that very much Absolutely. That's a great way to wrap it up. Everybody, thank you for listening. We will catch you next time. Dr. Williams, hit them straight. Hit them long. Appreciate it. All right, guys. See you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.